You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 160. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. I am so excited to be speaking with you. As you are listening to this on Tuesday, this is my first day back in the States, but I am recording this on, let's see, Saturday, the weekend before this Tuesday, here in London in Chelsea, so that my producer, Joe, can get this ready for you on time for Tuesday as you're listening to it today. So as I am recording from here, I am excited to get into our August questions There is a wide range of things focused on intuition and travel and more. So let's just dive in. I'm going to go until my voice cracks, basically, and get through as many of these as I can. So let's get started. Number one, we have Nicolette Seaback who asked, what kind of cell phone plan do you have while traveling? It seems like you're doing a great job connecting with people, and I imagine it would be hard if you hadn't had the ability to text and call your friends. Thanks for everything, Jess. This is actually something that I have not mastered whatsoever. I have not found the perfect option yet, but I'm hoping to figure this out. Right now, the plan has been to pay a ton of money to AT&T to keep my plan internationally. But I will be honest and I will say it kind of sucks. I have to pay double what I paid in the States and I have to pay 35 cents a minute to have the actual phone calls with people while I'm abroad. And then I only get for this crazy amount of money, 800 megabytes of data, which is nothing. I used to have three G's of data in the States on my regular plan. Here I only have 800. So I basically am trying to live off of Wi-Fi or have been trying to as much as possible though I definitely go over. So I need to find a better option. My phone has not been unlocked yet. So that's something I can look into. And also I think I might look into Sprint because I think that they may have a plan with better data for international than AT&T does, or at least the one that I'm on. And I know that people talk about the SIM cards and having them for different countries and stuff like that. That too could work. I was told that you have to get different SIM cards for each different country. So then I was like, I don't plan this out more than a few days ahead of time. So the idea of having to get to that country and then find a SIM card store just seemed really like a big hassle. So like I said, I've just been taking the hit in the money situation. But as I get back into the States, I'm going to look into finding a different plan that's going to be more flexible for the impromptu travel that I've been having. I don't want to feel restricted by SIM cards and changing them out all the time and all that sort of thing. So if you have any suggestions for me, please let me know as well. I'd love to know what I can do that gives me total freedom to have great data. I don't even need to call people as much as I need to just have great data and be able to go freely from country to country. All right, next up we have Nessie Liu who asked, how are you bringing pleasure into your life while traveling without your usual comforts like candles and nice bedding and while being out of routine? And what have you found best and worst about traveling solo-ish? And I think that's a great way of looking at it. I have been traveling (laughs) solo-ish. I have definitely met up with friends on this trip. I've definitely made tons of friends on this trip and I have been totally on my own. It depends on the place and the situation, which of those have been happening, but When it comes to pleasure, the thing that I've really found a ton of pleasure in because I don't have candles, well, technically I have a tiny, tiny little travel candle, but I haven't even lit in three months. So I guess I haven't been using it even if I have it is the perfume. I have a roller ball of perfume that I really enjoy and putting that on brings me a lot of pleasure and especially in the sensory way that a candle might to smell it. 
I also have a fleece blanket, which I showed in my packing video vlog that is totally impractical in terms of I don't actually need this on the road, but it is something that brings me so much pleasure to have this little piece of home wherever I am in whatever Airbnb I'm happening to call home in that moment. So that fleece blanket is definitely part of my pleasure routine. I also use essential oils and a essential balm at night for my hands and lavender oil on my pressure points. So those are some things that are easy to carry with me and do bring me pleasure. And then the other thing I do is I've been sleeping in. So because I'm five to six hours ahead of my team back in the States, and just in general, Europeans, and especially the Portuguese and the Spanish and those different countries stay out late, I've just been sleeping in and not setting an alarm. So that's been something else that's also been bringing me pleasure. Now we'll move on to Ellen Castleberg. She said, what caused you to follow a strictly gluten and dairy-free diet? And how have you navigated in your travels with these dietary restrictions? First of all, I will say that I do the gluten dairy-free as part of Elisa Vitti's protocol. You can listen to the episode that explains all of this at JessLively.com slash Elisa Vitti if you want to learn more about why I do it but it's for my hormones and to hopefully help regulate and reverse my PCOS symptoms. And then when it comes to the traveling, I have not been strict about it at all. And I will say my face has definitely shown the wear of that as well, to be honest, still dealing with the acne that has come back as I have eaten gluten and dairy. I'm really trying to make sure that I'm consciously not trying to create the belief in my head too, that whenever I eat gluten and dairy, my face is going to break out because I also kind of wonder how much might be psychosomatic at this point thinking about that. And like I said, I've not been perfect about it. And some countries, it was just super hard. Like Paris was crazy hard to do that. And I didn't do enough research and I wasn't that obsessed about it to try to you know, make sure that I did only gluten dairy free things. Elisa also gave me the green light to try eating gluten and dairy in Europe because the gluten and the dairy is not the same strains or as irritating to your system as the US, she said. And again, I haven't done the research on this. This is just what she told me. But I can say, even though the Europeans may have better quality of those items, I do notice my face gets worse when I quote unquote cheat. It's not really cheating, but whenever I make those choices, I do see results <laughs> on my face, which is not fun. But that's what that's all about. Now we have Whitney B. Saxon who said, are you worried about re-entry? How are you preparing for it? Or are you holding off on thinking about it? First of all, I love this idea. This is a great question. And I'll say I've been reframing it. So I'm not worried about reentry. I'm curious about reentry. I'm very curious to see. My curiosity is piqued. What will it be like? Will I find my way right away? Will I find it weird? Will I miss Europe? I'm not sure. So I'm very curious about it. And one of the things that I also did that helps make this a little bit easier is as I was booking my flight for New York, I also was booking my flight back from New York in a month to the UK, going back to London. So the plan is to actually spend another month in the European Union in somewhere, <laughs> even with Brexit and all that stuff. So I'm going to be somewhere in the UK and then possibly in Europe as well. I still have more time that I can keep traveling. So I'm going to keep doing that in September and then I'll be back in the States again in October for a friend's wedding. So I think that's part of what helped me prepare for it is knowing that I'm not staying there completely because I don't have a place to land, quote unquote, because I don't have a house there. I'm just going to keep traveling anyways. And it felt more exciting to come back and continue traveling Europe than just traveling in the States unendingly right now. So that will be the plan for that. Now we have Katie Ashley Love. 
She says, I'm loving following your travels. Have you run into any entrepreneurs who are on similar adventures while bringing along a child or partner? I have not found that yet, Katie, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. Now we have Kay Blonde who said, your audio is crisp and clear on your podcast while you travel. What microphone do you use? I'm using the Audio-Technica ATR2100. And right now I'm actually in a great place that has pretty good acoustics. So this has been a really nice treat. Sometimes it's been hard with the Airbnbs. A lot of them are pretty empty and echoey. So that can be hard to kind of warm up the sound, but I've done my best as I've gone. Now we have Elena Bernier who said, has this adventure ignited a travel bug in you? Are you already thinking about where you would like to go on an adventure next? Yes, Elena, this has totally been an eye-opener for me. I do love me some home. I love me roots. I love that stuff that used to be all that I was about, sort of, in the past. But now I have a huge desire to make sure that there is much more travel and exploration involved in this life that I have as well. So coming up, like I mentioned, I have the UK and Europe in September. I'm going to Costa Rica for a retreat in October. I have Ghana in November, and I'm going to the Philippines in March. So it will also be exciting to get out of just the European Union and getting out of Western Europe and seeing more of other parts of the world. Those are places that are on my radar going forward. Now we have Audie and Liz. She says, hi, Jess. Love hearing about your adventures. Travel is so great for expanding our minds and creating new friendships and memories, though as you've highlighted, it is challenging for our routines. Have you been able to maintain your personal victory practice each morning or have you substituted it for something else? Just curious about the role routine is playing as you travel. Keep enjoying your lively adventure and thanks for sharing it with us. This is awesome. So the question about routine, yes, I'm still doing the private victory. I meditate in the mornings. I write in my gratitude journal in the evenings and my intuition writing is still going strong. But one of the things I have noticed is meditation's not every single day, if I'm going to be completely honest. That's becoming kind of in and out, or it's not always first thing in the morning. Sometimes it'll be a little later in the day. For example, I have a chanting meditation that comes on right after my favorite album that I've been listening to every day. So sometimes I'll just do the 20 minutes after the album begins because the music that I've listened to has ended and then it goes into the next track. So sometimes that's happening. Other times I am doing it straight up in the morning, loving kindness meditation. The gratitude journal has definitely been used most of this time on this trip, I would say 80% of the time. But not always. If I'm out late with friends and I come home, I'm not always writing in my gratitude journal before bed, especially if it's super late at night. And the intuition writing, that has been going super strong. Sometimes I write two letters a day if I want to. So that is not always at the same time of day, but has been happening. When it comes to other routines, as you guys have probably noticed, I visit the same cities often if I feel like going back. I go back to some of the same restaurants that I truly love, and I've developed friendships with people and enjoy seeing them. So those things are wonderful pieces of routine given the travels. It's not like this is just a one and done thing and I'm going back to another routine. I'm trying to create routine in the life that I'm living because this is me living life right now. This isn't me going back home at the end of this. So this routine is my life. It's not me going away from my life to have this adventure and then I go back. Like right now, this is my life. So these routines are what bring me some solid base. But otherwise, it's full flow. I go with the flow. I go with what feels good. That's my main agenda. 
I know recently someone asked, and I didn't get to add this question because it was more recent to when I had prepared all the notes for this episode, but I can say someone asked, you know, do you feel like you're missing out? Because sometimes you go back to the same places. I feel like I like to go back to the same places too. And sometimes I think it could be like I'm not getting as much out of the experience because I'm not always trying to do something new. And I can say everyone's going to have their own feeling on that, but I go with my gut. I don't overthink it. If I want to go back to Lisbon again, I go back to Lisbon. If I want to go to the same coffee shop again, I go back to the same coffee shop. I do what brings me joy and I leave the rest. I've got plenty of time to do new things. I'm constantly doing new things, but sometimes doing things that feel familiar feel the best. So that's what I go with. Next up, we have a really interesting question. Moments of Meaning said, what are your fears or limiting beliefs around living abroad permanently? When I first read this question, I thought, I don't have any fears or limiting beliefs, but that's not true. When I first thought about the idea of living abroad permanently in like the first month of this trip, my initial thought and limiting belief was, if I do that, will I relate to the issues that American listeners face? Will I be able to relate to it? And what I've realized is that was a limiting belief. What I've realized now is following my intuition and being the most joyful me that is possible is truly what will help people. I can see things now because I've been traveling and starting to do this world travel through these last three months, but will continue as I've mentioned as well. I'm going to be able to see things from a much broader and more universal perspective, which in a way might even be more rare and possibly beneficial as a place to share from. I'm not going to have the biases that I may have had in the past because of my experience being more limited. Having a more universal perspective and being the most joyful me as possible, and if that means living abroad or if that means living in the States, wherever it is, Me being in the most joyful place with a universal perspective is what I truly believe is going to help people. I don't have to have exactly the same situation in order to help people. And sometimes having a different perspective in a different situation can help lift people up from where they are as well. So that's my new outlook on this. This is something that is really expanding for me. feels really exciting and now kind of flipped 180 degrees from how I used to think about it earlier in the trip. So that is the limiting belief that I had initially, and that is now my current understanding and feeling on the subject. I also plan to, if I do live abroad, come back to the States frequently. So it's not like I'm not going to be able to connect and be able to share with people that are in the States. And it's not like I can't consume content and media from the States as well as I travel. So it's not like I'm completely removed, but I also no longer see it as a limitation. Now we have Aline Lorelai. I may have gotten that wrong, by the way, Aline, but that is her name. She said, hi, Jess. Thanks for your amazing work. I just recently did the intuition mini course, and I've been trying to connect with my intuition while going through some things. What if you're too scared to do what your intuition tells you? Love your podcast. Oh, what if you're too scared to do what your intuition tells you? Number one, my suggestion would be ask your intuition as you're doing the writing exercise, why are you scared? Nine times out of 10, when I'm writing a letter to my intuition and I have a question like, why am I so frustrated by this? Or why is this showing up? Or why am I worried about this? Nine times out of 10, the answer I hear from my intuition first is because you are scared. Here's the next step. 
ask why you're scared to your intuition. That's where everything gets really juicy and good. When it helps you see why you are scared, that is getting to a level that your consciousness, that your you know current frame of reference probably doesn't see as clearly as your intuition. That's where the real aha moments come in. So it's not about saying you have to take action on what your intuition has told you. It's about asking why you have the fear in the first place of following it and going into understanding what that fear is so you can see it for what it is. And also allow things to unfold in smaller ways first. So let's make up an example here. Let's say that it told you that it's time to leave your job and you're really scared about that. And this is the first time you've ever listened to your intuition. So you're not really that practiced in it. You're kind of concerned about it and it's terrifying. All right. My suggestion would be is to try a smaller thing. Get advice on a smaller subject. Maybe it's about what vacation to go on, whether to go on a vacation. I don't know what book you want to read next. Something smaller, anything that is smaller than leaving your job. Ask your intuition for advice in that area and follow it. Take a baby step towards following your intuition in a less important or emotional place and see what the results of that are. Again, you want to make sure you're really listening to your intuition there because if you're listening to your ego and then it doesn't work out, then your ego is going to totally feel validated and not following the intuition on the big stuff. But maybe starting with the small stuff is a great place to start. And also, once you feel that fear, that is the perfect time to ask more questions around that fear to get into the deeper root of where it's coming from. It doesn't mean you have to take action on it as well. That's something that people have told me has been really useful to themselves. Before they write to their intuition about a subject, they promise themselves that they don't have to take action on it if they don't want, and that will overcome the resistance to asking in the first place. So hopefully those things help you and others as well. Now we have Abby Maddock who said, often I know I should be journal writing to my intuition about an issue in my life, but I find it hard to get started. Do you have any suggestions for getting through this initial roadblock? Here's what my suggestion is if if you're struggling to even get started. Tell yourself, I'm only gonna try this for five minutes and see what it says. I don't have to take any action. Let's just see what happens. Or another approach could be, I'm only gonna ask five questions and see what it says. Let's just see what happens. Either of those things, this is kind of that principle that says you just have to put the running gear on and get out the door and run for 10 minutes. And if you're already out there, you're probably going to run a little further. This is kind of the same principle here. Just give yourself the minimum. I'm only going to floss one tooth. If you've got the floss out and you do one tooth, you're likely to do all of the teeth just because you've gotten the floss out and you're right there to do them all. So I would say maybe starting with the, I'm just going to try this for five minutes, or I'm just going to start with five questions and see what it says. And also, just so you guys know, I often don't spend any more than five minutes writing to my intuition. It doesn't actually often take that much longer to do this process. So keep that in mind as well. It doesn't actually have to take all afternoon by any means. Now we have a longer question from Big Blonde and Body Positive. She said, hi, Jess, my name is Katie, and I'm so glad I found The Lively Show. I started listening when I had graduated from college, and it has been a guiding light for me during the turbulent months that followed. Here's my question. I'm someone who has really had to make things happen for myself, and as a result, I struggle with control. I desire to openly speak with my intuition and seek her guidance and advice. 
but my ego loves to call the shots. Even when I sit down to do the exercises and write to my intuition, I sometimes do not trust the answers because I fear that my ego is a master manipulator who impersonates my intuition. I can feel my intuition is so strong when I'm talking to and giving advice to other people, but never myself. Am I crazy? Do other people struggle with this too? I know she's in there somewhere. Is there anything you can do to silence your ego in any way that you have found to directly tap into your intuition when the ego's fighting back? Sending you so much joy in travels and your return to the States. Okay, guys. So if we're going to summarize this, Katie's question is, how do we deal with the ego trying to impersonate the intuition? Number one, I would say start with something less emotionally significant so that you get to use to the ego not impersonating the intuition. So if it's on a subject that's not super important to you, it's likely that the ego is not going to find it that important to try to pretend to be your intuition, and you're going to be able to sense what that feels like within your body. When you hear those answers to something that's not super crazy important, what does it feel like? What's the experience like? That might be the first place to start. And number two, meditation is a wonderful thing to practice because I don't want you to have no thoughts. It's not even about that for meditation. The reason I want you to try meditation is because what you're going to do is get used to observing the voice of the ego as it runs thoughts through your brain while you're observing your thoughts. You're going to start to notice the voice and hopefully start to pull away and have a little bit of non-attachment. You're not going to over-identify with each individual thought. So you're starting to observe and watch the ego. Both of these things, starting with something less intense to start when you're writing to the intuition and seeing how it feels, and also meditating to get really good at understanding the voice of the ego, are both things that are going to help you understand when the intuition's speaking up. And then as you go, start to increase the importance and level of query or the kind of concerns that you have to your intuition over time. Maybe you don't have to jump to number, you know, like level 17. Start with level one or two and then see how it goes. Now we have JC Mercer who said, Hi Jess, have you found it difficult to date in Europe with the cultural differences? I'd be curious to hear more about your experience dating and where you meet these men while being in one city for such a short amount of time. Thanks for bringing such inspiration to my life. Your show brings me so much joy. Thanks, JC. This is a very interesting question. More dating, as you guys have asked a little bit in the past too. So I've met people through dating apps and I met people in real life. And I've met people also, I think I met one or two people through friends that I knew that introduced me to people in those cities. So those are the places that I have met people. As far as the cultural differences, I find them fascinating. I love it. I dated someone who is Spanish for a little while, and it was so amazing to see how expressive and emotive he is compared to you know, people maybe more in England. And this is not to stereotype, but these are just the contrasts I have seen from dating different people in different cultures, just you know, comparing one to another. So this isn't to say all races are like this, but it was really interesting to see that and also just the different value sets and stuff like that. The entrepreneurial nature of America is not always as common to find out in these other parts of Europe. So places like Portugal, they are trying to have more entrepreneurship and they're really exploring that. But a lot of people have so much satisfaction in their jobs. Actually, that's been an interesting cultural difference. Seeing how much people in other parts of Europe have loved their jobs 
is actually really refreshing because I feel like in the US, I often was finding people that really didn't like their jobs and were dissatisfied. So that was an interesting cultural difference. Again, these are just kind of things from my personal experiences. It's not to say that these are stereotypes or that everyone is any which way, but those are some of the things that I I found. And yeah, it is hard to date when you're traveling because you are moving from place to place. Coming back to certain cities, you could keep, you know, dating the same people sort of or seeing them. But I think the opportunity for me, if I found someone that really seemed like a fit for me to go and spend more time in that area and get to know them more is kind of a wonderful advantage that I guess this current life situation gives me. But so far, there hasn't been someone that feels like the right fit for. So I am continuing to travel and meet people as I go. So I think it's kind of the same as what you do in one location. The difference is it's just a little quicker turnover because you can't keep seeing the same people for months or months at a time. So that's where I'm at so far on that. Yeah, I think there was a little bit more of a emotive and expressive feeling from people in Portugal and Spain than other countries. Yeah, but I think that kind of answers that question. Now we have Brazen Brunette who said, hey Jess, can you comment on how you've traveled abroad with just a passport for the amount of time you did? I know there's a rule and there's the Schengen. Did you apply for a visa or were there any other loopholes you took advantage of to let you stay for longer than three months? Thanks so much and look forward to the episode. So this is something that I am going to share because I think this could be useful for others that might want to do some longer travel. So I'll quickly say, you do not need a visa as an American citizen if you stay in the Schengen region, which for those who don't know what that is, it's basically Western Europe minus the UK. So you can stay for 90 days in Europe, Western Europe minus the UK. So that's about three months. And you can stay 180 days in the UK without a visa as an American. I also had dinner with a lively listener from Portuguese Immigration who also helped explain this to me more so I can figure out what my options are as I want to continue traveling here. So one of the things that she said I can do is actually apply for a visa if I do want to be here longer. I can get an extension on my visa for Portugal, for example. And in that case, what she said, and I don't know if this is true for all the countries, but at least for that one, I could get an extra 30 days in Portugal. The difference is after my 90 days in the Schengen are up, I would not be able to leave Portugal. I'd have to be there for those extra 30 days. I couldn't travel around. And then with 180 in the UK, that gives me a lot of flexibility. I've only used 20 to 30 days in the UK so far, and I've probably only used around 60 in the Schengen. You know, I still have a lot of flexibility to keep coming back for the time being. And if I do know when or where I want to be someplace longer, then I can look into actually getting a year-long visa or more. But again, I haven't felt that 100% intuition, this is what I need to do next. I keep writing to my intuition, and what it tells me is to keep traveling and meeting new people. So that's what I'm doing, traveling in the U.S. and then coming back here as well. So until I know exactly where I want to land, I'm just taking advantage of the days that I've had so far. And I'm really glad that I've been able to come back to the U.K. so much because that keeps giving me more time that I get to spend in the Schengen region when I come back as well. And knowing that I have 180 days that I've barely tapped for the U.K., if I do feel like you know staying here through the winter, I feel pretty good about the 180 days that I still have to to go. Now we have the style fuzz. You said, hey, Jess, I'm looking at making big life-changing decisions, and I've tried speaking to my intuition to get some answers, but I haven't really mastered the technique. Have you ever taken a leap because you listened to your intuition and then regretted it or continued to second-guess yourself after making the decision? No. 
I have never taken a leap and listened to my intuition and then regretted it. The answer is no on that. I can't think of anything. Have I second guessed myself after making the decision? Not if I can really tap into the feeling place and the awareness and the understanding from the intuition on why I should do something. That doesn't leave me with much regret or questioning. But what I can say happens sometimes is the ego still hasn't caught up with the intuition's understanding. So sometimes even like, let's say I have a crush on a guy that I'm dating or something. And my intuition tells me, you know, you think you like him, but really you just like the companionship or something like that. If it tells me that and my ego is still stuck on, no, I really like this guy and I can't get out of that. I can still see the intuition's wisdom and peace around the situation, even if my ego hasn't caught up to that. So Uh, that's kind of, I can say, sometimes a little bit tricky is trying to keep up with the peace and the understanding when your ego is still stuck back where it wants to stay fixated on a thing that usually is not working. It's not usually going well if you try to stay at the level of where the ego is at. The intuition's kind of already caught up to where the peace would be. So I don't second guess myself, but sometimes my emotions from my ego's perspective have not always caught up to the intuition at all times. Now we have Bug 13 who said, Hi, Jess, I love your show. I find it incredibly inspiring. I was wondering, how do you cope with decisions that you made and had good reasons for at the time, but are now stuck with and somewhat regret? Thanks. So when it comes to the decisions, if you made them at the right time and they were the right decisions at that time, great, enjoy them. Appreciate the fact that you follow your intuition in those steps. But that doesn't mean you need to stay in that place forever. So I don't know exactly what you're thinking about and what the situations might be, but I've made many decisions and updated many things to stay aligned with my intuition going forward. So I ask and follow my intuition and make new choices based on its answers. For example, I've had different relationships over the course of my life. I've had different businesses over the course of my life. I don't look back on any of them as the wrong choices or to be regretted. I just continue to make updated decisions and information going forward that follow my intuition's guidance. So that would be my suggestion for you is to write to your intuition and find out what the new choices that you can make are or find how you can approach what you already have in your life if it is meant to stay. Maybe there's just some ego blocks about why this isn't working for you right now, but truly there is more to learn in that situation itself. Now, Teresa I. White asked, are you into Hamilton at all? Also, do you know what your Myers-Briggs personality type is? And if so, do you put much stock into that system? First, I'm not sure what Hamilton is, so I'll pass on that question, but I can say that Myers-Briggs, I am an ENFJ, and I think what's interesting on this trip is I think my J has become much more P over time, so that's kind of one that if I retook the test, I haven't done it in a long time, but I would guess that based on how much flow I've been living over the last three months, I would say that my J on the scale of perceiving and judging, so for those that don't know Myers-Briggs, by the way, each of these letters has a kind of strength set or personality set associated with them. And as I keep saying P and J, P is perceiving, J is judging. So P's are often more flowing. They're more spontaneous. They're sometimes less organized where J's are very organized personally. They're very like clean and tidy and neat and kind of the more type A personality would be the J. Now it's a scale, and I think that I probably have been much more further on the J than the P side in the past, and now I think I'm probably much more balanced, but probably still 
kind of technically do still lean J. I still am organized and stuff, but like not quite nearly as much as I used to be or as structured or planning as I used to be. So that's my personality type. And what's see, when I do I put much stock into the system? Yes. I never before really did until I had one of my coaches. So one of my coaches that I work with is 70-ish or in her 70s, I believe. She's a widow and she has seven children and she is a master at the Myers-Briggs. I don't know if it's because she had seven children or has seven children and all the grandkids, but for whatever reason, she is able to use Myers-Briggs like a finely tuned tool. And she is able to help me understand situations with family, friends, and relationships in my life from the understanding of each person's personality type to explain contrasting issues, things that I get along with, things that I don't get along with, and why. So because I've been able to learn from her directly as far as applying this to practical life situations, I find it incredibly helpful. If you're just reading it like a Zodiac and then you kind of go back to your life as normal, it's probably interesting but not super helpful. But when you actually understand how your parents see you and how you see them and you understand the differences and you're able to accept and appreciate the differences, that is where things really can change for you. So not sure how you could find a a coach that's super into Myers-Briggs, but maybe you could Google around online if you're interested. Next up, we have Boho Gypsy Life who said, number one, is it too early to ask how this journey has changed you? For example, you thought you weren't the type of person that likes to be traveling for a long time. And number two, now that you've had this tremendous opportunity, have you felt comfort in this type of travel and incorporated it into what you now enjoy and see yourself doing? Awesome questions, Boho Gypsy Life. Number one, I will be sharing how this has changed me in Thursday's episode. So stay tuned for that. And number two, yes, it has changed me. I have had this tremendous opportunity and I felt more comfortable in this type of travel than I ever thought I ever would. And I actually really love it. So yes, I would like to have a little bit more roots, but I do see myself traveling extensively, hopefully. At this point, I don't know, right? I don't know what my future will hold. I don't know what my intuition will tell me, but I can tell you it feels really, really good to keep traveling. So yes, I do wanna have some light routes eventually when my intuition tells me where that place is. I also could see myself living in Europe. And until then, I'm gonna keep going with this and following the flow. Now we have City Living Guide who asked, Hi Jess, you're such a bright light and having a great impact on so many people, young and old. Quick question. My 25-year-old daughter and I are going to London in October and would love your top three suggestions for things to do. I've already included sketch in our itinerary based on your earlier recommendation. Thanks so much and happy travels. I love this question. So I am a big foodie. So when I think of the things that I would say to come do, the first things that come to mind besides the obvious shopping things and the museums would be to go to these two restaurants. Number one, Dishoom for Indian food. No joke, guys. I'm going there three days in a row this weekend while I'm here. I went yesterday. I'm going tonight and I'm going to brunch tomorrow on Sunday. So I cannot get enough of it. And it's so fun for me because I didn't think I liked Indian food before this. I had some bad Trader Joe's Indian food years ago, and I think it kind of turned me off to the whole genre for decades. And now I'm obviously regretting that decision. And Dishoom is such a fun, classy awesome restaurant. The service is fantastic. And I love the Edwina's Affair cocktail, which I included in my July favorites episode. So I definitely recommend going to one of the Deschumes. There are several locations. Currently, the favorite one I've gone to is the King's Cross location, but I also have heard good things about the shortage. I just haven't gone there. I go there tonight. 
And then number two, I would say is Farm Girl Cafe. You've probably seen me on Instagram share that a lot. It has a lot of healthy options, a lot of gluten, dairy-free things. I really like their berry gluten-free pancakes. They have healthy breakfast and lunch options up in Notting Hill. And then Hyde Park. I would definitely say go walk around Hyde Park. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite places in the city. And I always make sure that I'm staying as close as I can relative to the park so that I can go spend time there running or walking and just taking in the nature there. Now we have Everyday Beautiful Co. who said, how do you budget? Do you have a spending limit per day? I know you went surfing. How else have you incorporated exercise into your travel? Is it just natural since you're likely walking a lot? How have you kept in touch with close family and friends while traveling? Okay, so I'm gonna break this down. So first of all, budget. I have loose targets. So I knew what I was paying per week to live in the States based on my mortgage and my utilities and that sort of thing. So I kind of use that as a guide to say, if I split that up per week, how much is that amount? And can I try, when possible, to hit those targets here in Europe? Sometimes it works, especially in places like Portugal where it's less expensive. And sometimes in London, it's not. It does not work. So overall, I go with the flow. I don't worry about it too much. I'm very grateful that by going with the flow and listening to my intuition in each choice, things have been flowing really fine. So I have not stressed out about anything like that. Next up, exercise. Walking 20,000 plus steps per day. (laughs) That has been the big thing. I used to try to run more like I used to in the States. And then I realized I was walking like sometimes up to 30,000 steps a day. That is a lot of steps. It's like 15 miles or something crazy. So I don't really need to run or do like crazy workouts when I'm doing that amount of walking. Also, I do push-ups every day and the plank to stay strong in my core and my arms. I did the hill climbing retreat in Scotland. So there was a lot of hiking of small mountains or whatever you want to call the Scottish hills. They're not hills like in the States. They're not mountains either. They're, they're like an interesting middle ground between a mountain and what the U.S. would call a hill. So that was really great and active. And then hikes in Southern England. So those things, it's been fun. And especially when I do the harder climbs and that kind of thing to see my endurance and my capacity for cardio is really strong, actually. So I've been really happy with the exercise I've been doing in those ways. And my body honestly feels and looks great. So I've been really grateful for just walking everywhere. I very rarely take Ubers or public transit. I just try to see the city through walking. And then last but not least, how I communicate with friends and family while traveling. I use WhatsApp, which I love WhatsApp. I'm totally a convert. I don't know why it's so much better than Messenger, which we use in the States so much more, just you know, text messaging. But WhatsApp is really fun. I don't know. It's weird to be into this app that's basically redundant to what text messages are, but I've enjoyed it. Also, I use FaceTime when I'm on Wi-Fi to do phone calls with family and friends or Skype. Sometimes that'll have a stronger connection. And then I use text messages too. So that's how I communicate. Now we have Laura Pandia who said, how is your away luggage holding up? I have a trip coming up and I'm interested in the brand. So I have loved it. Away luggage has been awesome. When I first got it, I was like, this is so lightweight. I don't know if this is gonna be strong enough to last for so long in so many cities and so many cobblestone streets. It is still in wonderful condition. I'll say that it does get scratched on the outside a little bit, but I don't really mind that. I have the black one, so it's kind of like, you know, luggage just gets beat up and it's a hard case. So it's more likely to get scratched than a soft case would, but I can fit so much in that thing. It is ridiculous 
how strong it is and how wonderful it has held up. The wheels, the handle, the interior, all of it's still in fantastic shape after living out of it for three months. And I don't see that, hopefully, knock on wood, changing anytime soon. So I would totally recommend it. And there you have it, guys. Those are my questions for today. If you guys are curious on where I'm going to be, I, as I said, am now, as you're listening, in New York City until Thursday, and then I fly to San Francisco for one of my college friend's bachelorette weekends. We're doing a little wine tasting in Sonoma for her, so I'm not really sure after that where I'm going, probably maybe to San Francisco for a few days. I'm not even sure, but I'll be doing a little bit of an American flowing adventure, a new lively adventure stateside. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today.